0: Is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is episode 206 of bitcoin and you're probably getting this at around 4 a.m or something like that you know well whenever it is that you go to the gym or eat your smoothie anyway it is definitely not when i'm recording it right now it's 10 a.m on the 25th of february and everything is burning (laughs) everything is burning Market uh, DJ uh, the Dow Jones is down like 250 points after it was supposedly going to see a 300 point rise at, in the futures after yesterday's uh, thousand point crash, which is a two year record. Wow, isn't that just joyous? <clears throat> um, how should we start this one out? Let's start out with some something cool, okay? Because we're gonna get into some pretty hairy shit later on. This is a Medium post, obviously, medium.com. This is from Simon Cowell, and not the the guy from the talent show. No, this is a different Simon Cowell. Uh, This is announcing the Zebedee developer dashboard and Unity SDK. Make the points in your game matter. This is uh, written on February the 24th. Today, we are pleased to announce the launch of the Zebedee Developer Dashboard and Unity SDK. We developed these products in partnership with the game development community because we believe games are missing one vital tool. The native currency of the internet. Well, there (laughs) there you go. What if the points collected in a game were worth something? What if they could be collected and then taken out of the game? What if they could be given to someone else? And have universal value. What if value and rewards were digital and programmable in the same way all your other game developer tools are? Our Unity SDK opens up a new dimension of creativity and monetization capabilities by enabling value flows within the gameplay itself. We do this by building on the internet of money. The global network of Bitcoin. Bye, bye, Yeah, buy it. Get it. Uh, everything else is going to hell. Um, Zebedee takes care of the heavy lifting for you and does away with any complex parts of the system, letting you focus 100% of your time on building the best games and gaming experiences with no need for prior knowledge of Bitcoin. Our developer tools and SDKs aim to simplify away all of the operational complexity of building games that integrate Bitcoin. And our developer dashboard is a simple and intuitive interface which allows you to manage your game integrations and analyze transaction activity. This is a closed beta launch. We'd like to invite game developers to experiment with demos and implementations that use our tools to involve value flows. If you think you fit the bill, sign up below for beta access to the dashboard. And here they give a link. If you're interested in learning more or contributing to our work, please join us in the Zebedee Discord group. The whole team is there, so you can ask direct questions as well. The aim for the Zebedee Developer Dashboard is to provide an easy-to-use developer tool for managing your games that integrate Bitcoin. You can easily create new games, retrieve API access keys, and visualize transaction details and value flows within your game. Using the dashboard and the Zebedee API can be as easy as signing up for an API key and inserting a few lines of code into an existing game. You now have money flowing through your game. Oh, this may cause problems. I'll get to that in a sec. The possibilities are immense and we're just scratching the surface here. Implementing the API can be as easy as adding a simple paywall to an action or section of your game or be as complex as an entire in-game economy. Mandel Duck Studios was able to add audience participation capabilities, allowing spectators to purchase power-ups for players through instantaneous microtransactions. We've also written a detailed tutorial for those who want to get familiar with integrating the Zebedee API in a Unity gaming environment. It is notoriously hard to monetize games nowadays. There are hundreds of games being released every day, 500 plus on the ios app store alone and the large majority of developers need to resort to advertisements and loot boxes for any form of revenue god and that's just so sad it really is loot boxes are just fucking terrible our developer tools and sdks are an opportunity for developers to stand out from the crowd by inventing new types of gameplay and incentivizing users to engage with their games more deeply and persistently We are big believers in a Bitcoin-first future, but it's not just about integrating Bitcoin. Our aim is to make games more engaging and ultimately more profitable. Games have tried to make money fun in the form of points, gold coins, or golden rings, collectible valuable items. But regardless of the reward systems in the game, all of the time invested by the players in collecting these items ultimately yields a big fat zero. Why are players not allowed to make a return on all the time invested in playing and mastering a game? Bitcoin isn't a silver bullet, but we think we found a use for this network that fits our purpose. The Lightning Network solves a lot of the well-known technical constraints on Bitcoin. And it can give us what we think might be a great natural in-game currency, the Satoshi. One Bitcoin equals 100 million Satoshis. An aside here, people, I've got some. I've seen a couple of really dumb tweets this morning already by people who should know better asking if Bitcoin was too expensive for the average person to buy without even mentioning the fact that you can buy a fraction of a Bitcoin. And this is coming from people who frickin' know better. I do believe it's the daily train wreck for today, so we'll get to that. Uh, Bitcoin isn't money as you know it. It's something unique. When divided into its subunits called Satoshis, you achieve distinct pieces of data that have value but are small enough that they can still be fun to play with. At the time of this writing, one Satoshi was equal to $0.000098. That's like way sub, way, way sub penny cost right there. Creating digital assets is pretty easy. However... Creating the network effects to give that scarce digital asset global recognition and value are pretty damn difficult. Bitcoin has already done that job for us and our SDKs and developer dashboard enable game developers to tap into a $200 billion market of stored digital value to power their in-game micro uh, uh, payments. Game developers and users can take advantage of these network effects in ways that weren't possible before. You can earn Satoshis in one game, take them out, use them in another game, or even buy coffee in real life. The only, apparently, coffee is the only use case that anybody can come up with, but be that as it may, there's also a huge amount of already installed Bitcoin infrastructure. For example, you can use any compatible Bitcoin Lightning wallet to store your funds. There's even a robust regulated market to convert your Bitcoin into your local currency if that's what your users want to do. Games are also truly global economies. A universal currency makes sense for games. So what's next? This is the first public versions of our SDKs and developer dashboard. As the community begins to discover which new game concepts are possible with our SDKs, we will continue to push the boundaries of R&D and develop cutting-edge tools for new types of interactions. Stay tuned. If you'd like to see more details about the Zebedee API, the available SDKs, and some of our guides and tutorials, please head on over to our documentation portal, and a link is given there. If you want to see what we are up to in person, we will be showing off some cool Bitcoin-powered games and presenting at the following upcoming conferences. The Crypto Compare Conference, London, March the 10th. Bitcoin 2020, San Francisco, March 27th through the 28th. The Magical Crypto Conference in New York City, May 10th through the 9th. Consensus, New York, May 11th through the 13th. B2C 2020, Tokyo, May the 18th. Value of Bitcoin in Munich, June 2nd through the 3rd. We will also be organizing developer workshops around these conferences to provide hands-on guidance and support to developers interested in using our services and SDKs. If you're part of the community of developers that might have interest in what we're doing, we're happy to organize demonstrations and workshops, get in touch. Contact us at info at zebedee.io. That is Z-E-B-E-D-E-E. Man, that's a lot of E sounds. Okay, Simon. <clears throat> this is, in my opinion, really good news. So uh, let's talk a little bit about this. Um, the unity SDK. So what is unity? If you don't know, and if you do, I'm sorry, but I I feel it important because the, the gaming industry is completely untapped. Um, and it's one of the things that I'm most interested in, uh, and because it is so untapped and because it is so huge, it represents, oh my God, a lake. An, uh, an ocean of potential liquidity and customers and sellers and, and places to build businesses that we cannot tap right now. Okay, so Unity is a game engine that when it first came out a few years back when I was using it, 100% free. You couldn't even buy the damn thing. It was for people who were interested in, in getting their hands wet without having to pay, especially at the time, a $500,000 seat license for something like the Unreal 4 engine, all right? So, um, and I don't know what Unreal is costing now. I think everybody's gone to a subscription model in the, for game engines, but the, if you don't know what a game engine is, if you've played a game, it is built on some type of game engine, whether it's Unity, Unreal, or the hundreds, well, okay. A couple of hundred, let's say, uh, game engines that are out there. Uh, most of the really kick-ass AAA games that you're going to see are things that are going to be built in the Unreal Engine and things like that. But Unity has now gotten enough; uh, is now like enough, well, dry behind the ears enough, and has been out for long enough that AAA games are have been being built have been built on the Unity game engine. So what's neat about Unity, um, and I'm not sure, I haven't really kept up with Unreal or anything like that, but Unity has a really nice little store that you can go get plugins for games that you're building. And a lot of them are, you know, a lot of them are like stuff like, you know, 3D models. Like you don't have the chops to get into a 3D uh, modeler and, and, you know, skin and do all your own stuff with, you know, to make barrels or pillars or buildings or cars or what all the stuff you see in in a 3D game generally speaking is going to have to have been built at one point or another in a 3D modeler but uh the Unity's the Unity store allows you to go get a lot of this stuff that's already been built and you can just plug it into your game one of the other things that is really nice about the Unity game store is that there's a bunch of utilities on there like heat mapping so you can tell where people are going in your game. It's one of the coolest utilities I've ever seen. But being able to pop Bitcoin as a utility into something that you are building on the Unity platform is, I think, remarkably undervalued as to what that actually means. Now, here's the problem. Are you a money transmitter? Is this why we don't have this? in games right now. I know that it, I know that there's at least one reason why we don't have widespread use of cryptocurrency in the gaming markets. And that's because nobody, none of the major studios has any financial interest in doing so because they can't really figure out how to reap the benefits of that. It's possible to reap the benefits of that, but yeah, right. I mean, it's such a nascent thing that It's going to be difficult for these people to figure out how to do that. The second thing that may be holding this entire back is what I just alluded to. Are you a money transmitter? Does your game become a platform of money transmission between parties that would be regulated under various financial regulation institutions in the whatever 170 plus countries around the globe? I mean, how many times can you be sued or sought after by sovereign nations because they're pissed off that you're undermining their banking? Personally, I don't give a shit if, these, if all those people die. I really don't. I, I, life has this, this weird tendency to go on without kings and regulators and all this stuff that, you. oh my God, it's all going to crash. You know, yeah, shit crashes and guess what happens? Life finds a way. That's the most amazing thing about this. And we're always blinded to the fact that there's something on the other side of horrible things. There's always something on the other side of it. I, for one, am really excited about a Unity SDK that pops Bitcoin and or the Lightning Network into a game so that I can do stuff. Like, you know, and, and the examples they gave were really great, but what if you extend that to, you know, I've always thought that games would be, that games have always been, but ha- never been properly properly leveraged for education. There's always been educational games and they all suck. I've talked about it before. I've never seen an educational game that actually teaches something in a way that, is a useful when you've learned it, and b something that you want to stay in because it's it's fun this one this this changes the the prospect of education in uh, via gaming because now the prospects of real value you know of like the <clears throat> give give it to me now being able to satisfy that that pineal gland, you know, and, and adrenaline rush and all that shit. You can still, you can leverage that short term or the, the, what do we call it? The, uh, uh, high time preference by monetizing the learning experience along with hopefully really pretty graphics and good gameplay because without good gameplay, everything sucks. And that's one of the reasons why educational games have failed for as long as educational games have been around. All of them fail. There may be, you guys may know of an example. If you know of an example of one that is really good, send it my way to at B-E-N-N-D-7-7 seven seven on Twitter, at B-E-N-N-D-7-7 seven seven on Twitter. I would love to look at examples of things that don't suck when it comes to video games and education. However, uh, coming to the end of this, I just want to reiterate the fact that putting this stuff bitcoin lightning network into video games the fact that it hasn't been done yet means that the potential for where this can go is explosive and that is not doing the situation justice it's very explosive how do we get around do we turn it does my, is my game now regulate regulatable under fincen I, you know, wow, these are questions that a whole industry is going to develop around this to answer that one question and many more, I guarantee it. So get ready. You guys that are interested in video games and um, economics, you got your in. If you're still, if you're just, if you're listening to this and you're in high school right now or something like that, learn how to make video games, learn how to program, learn economics, dude, you're going to be all right. But sadly, Nick Chong is writing for CryptoSlate about an OG Bitcoin holder who shilled an altcoin at a conference and nobody is, is all too pleased. Yeah, talking about Trace Mayer, this was written today, February the 25th. Well, for you, it's yesterday. What? God, Whatever. Last weekend, some of the world's most outspoken Bitcoin proponents and analysts descended on Las Vegas. The reason? Tone Vase, the Wall Street turned cryptocurrency analyst, was hosting a Bitcoin, not blockchain, conference and a celebrity poker tournament in a weekend he dubbed unconfiscatable, a reference to the decentralized nature of BTC. The list of attendees was stacked. Vase himself, programmer Jimmy Song, adaptive capitals Willie Woo, outspoken libertarian Max Kaiser, Content creator Peter McCormack, and many others. The list also included, included Trace Mayer, a somewhat elusive figure in Bitcoin circles, seemingly appearing at few conferences compared to his counterparts on the list. Now, yeah. Mayer is a longtime investor, having shilled the cryptocurrency via his online platforms when the asset was under five bucks before 2012. He is also a hodler of last resort btc owners that purport to never sell their coins like never under any circumstances because of his commitment many were excited to see him including american Hodel, a pseudonymous commentator that has been blocked on twitter multiple times for his antics whose entire persona is built on well hodling bitcoin unfortunately attendees purport that mayor isn't what they expected and they aren't too pleased because of that. Ah, young Padawan. Get ready to rumble, bro. In the wake of unconfiscatable American Odal, who has since restarted his Twitter account again... And thus, the relevant tweet was deleted, was languishing on Twitter, though a very du- through a very direct tweet. He said that after talking with Trace Mayer for an hour, he had lost faith in the individual, claiming that Mayer was his hero and idol. The reason? Mayer was going around at the conference purportedly promoting some altcoin called Mimblewimblecoin, the commentator elaborated. Quote, he spent an hour shelling me Mimblewimblecoin." To say I'm disappointed would be an understatement. God, no shit. According to Giacomo Zucco, a prominent Bitcoin maximalist, who was also in attendance at the event, the shilling also took the form of the below piece of fortune cookie, f- fortune cookie fortune-esque cookie, paper. Oh, man, that's a mouthful. And then it shows a picture of the fortune cookie-like thing that says, Mimblewimble applied at the base layer, scarce, censorship, resistant, durable, indestructible, saleable, portable, fudgeable, private, indivisible, good money. Up 100x in BTC in two months. Jesus, God, it's just. I read it yesterday, and I'm I'm still freaking out about this whole thing. Many were immediately taken aback by the content contents of the message, which touted MWC as good money and a profitable altcoin that is up 100x in BTC terms in two months. Zuko himself wrote, "Quote: People spend effort, time, and money to organize educational events about Bitcoin while having a good laugh at shitcoin scams." Then somebody takes advantage of all that effort to distribute promotion codes for his own pump-and-dump scam. Uh, yeah, get the blades out, man. Many prominent names in the Bitcoin space shared and bumped Zuko's tweet, including individuals like HODL and not Steven Levera, Mr. HODL, and others. <clears throat> others included their own commentary on the situation, making comments on how important it is not to have heroes in Bitcoin, why the concept of trust is so relevant to cryptocurrency and so on and so forth and blah. <clears throat> it is isn't clear exactly how Mayer distributed the above message, though some have joked that he might have been passing them out as if they were contraband, subtly slipping the paper into the hands of people he talked to. And importantly, it appears that the tweets from Zuko and American Hodel aren't a concerted attempt to slander Mayer's character or person either. Seven minutes into the Below YouTube video in which the longtime Bitcoiner owner is interviewed. Mimblewimble coin is mentioned. And then there's the, the YouTube thing, but I'm not going to play it. <clears throat> this may leave you wondering what is MWC. I don't give a shit what M- Mimblewimble coin is, so I'm going to skip that part. As it stands, Mayer has yet to respond to the recent criticism he has faced from the many corners of the Bitcoin community. His Twitter account remains silent with its last post being published on February the 18th. Unfortunately. It seems that the age-old tagline, What Happens in Vegas Stays in Vegas, didn't seem to apply to the goings-on at Unconfiscatable, an event focused on discussing the censorship-resistant Bitcoin. How fitting, how fitting. And that's the end of that article by Nick Chong. Thank you, Nick Chong. Oh, yeah, it's hard to watch it. It really is. It's hard to watch it. And I, I am going to say this because I, you know, I got I got onto Trace too because you you got to call you've got to call out the bullshit, you have to. If I start touting some other coin other than Bitcoin, then then i you need to slap the shit out of me. But even then, after I've been slapped and woke up, I mean, how much of my reputation will I have burned? You're either going to stand for something or you're going to fall for everything else. And if you're dumb enough to fall for something else, then you kind of you kind of blew the wad and uh, you know I I like trace and I I going I am going to still do whatever I you know what I can to maintain my respect for the guy because he did help me come to an understanding of what bitcoin actually was very early and because of that it stopped me from doing some fairly stupid shit like learn how to trade uh, and if you if you're a trader and you know how to trade then I'm not talking to you you have to know how to trade to be able to trade. But saying that you're, you know, I thinking that you're just going to make millions of dollars because you're going to trade a whole set of bags full of shit coins. No, no, you're going to get your ass handed to you. And Trace helped me not do that. You know, he taught me some of the, the basics of, of why it is that that when you enter the space, you come at one point or another to understand that You need to ask yourself why you're in the space and trace helped me do that. So I'm starting to wonder if it's possible, if it's possible that this is a joke that trace did, uh, and it's, it's backfired terribly. I I don't know, but it's really, it's, it's bugging me. We're just gonna have to see what happens here. I hope it's a joke, but I don't, I don't know. I just don't know, man. Moving on, Chinese Bitcoin miners headed to Central Asia. As electricity prices rise in China, some local Bitcoin miners are moving their operations to Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan. This is 8 BTC staff writing for Decrypt.co, February the 24th abundant coal, natural gas, cheap electricity and sparsely populated and vast territory are making the countries of Central Asia a perfect fit for bitcoin mining. Compared to the thermal power cost of over 6 cents US per kilowatt hour in China, average electricity rates of 3 cents per kilowatt hour in some Central Asian countries such as Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan is becoming increasingly attractive for Chinese miners. <laughs> They, the it is, it is, I mean, half the price that I don't, my attracted my, me being attracted to something that's half the price, that it's the same thing isn't increasing. It just is, I'm sorry, but I, <laughs> likewise countries such as Uzbekistan, who offers increasingly open policies on cryptocurrency mining and trading appear to be bringing what was once an underground industry to the fore. Wu Zhang, one of the earliest Bitcoin miners heading overseas. Has his eyes set on Kazakhstan, where thermal electricity is abundant and cheap? Quote, the cost of mining is mainly composed of machine costs, electricity rates, rentals for mining sites, operation and maintenance, mining, machine cost, and electricity take up the majority, Wu said. The cost for mining machines is basically fixed. The biggest variable is electricity cost. In this sense, finding cheap electricity is the best way to increase profitability, end quote. Take the latest gen Antminer S17 Pro, for example. If electricity is $0.06 per kilowatt hour, an S17 Pro could generate a daily profit of $5.41. If electricity is $0.03 per kilowatt hour, the same machine could generate $6.83 per day. Wu said his company has been using the latest, most powerful mining machines in China, but has been relocating older models such as the E9, E10, or sorry, S9, E10, and M3 to countries with cheaper electricity. My mining farm in Kazakhstan is running EBIT E10 machines, which deliver a hash rate of 18, 18T, I'm guessing terahashes. hashes? with the power consumption of 1800 watts he said in the same in that case an E10 generates 45 cents per day running at 6 cents per kilowatt hour if the electricity rates go down to 3 it could earn a buck 75 per day with a 288 increase in profit compared to the S10 Pro above it's easy to see how older mining models are more profitable using cheaper electricity overseas there are reportedly 47 coal fields Coal producing areas and coal mining regions in Kazakhstan, some 2% of the coal mined in Kazakhstan comes from open pit mining, which is cheap and efficient. Kazakhstan also has the world's eighth largest coal reserve with proven reserves of about, oh God, 200 billion tons. Oil reserves account for 5 billion tons and some 3.2% of the world's proven Total reserves. Natural gas reserves are about two trillion cubic meters, or 1.5 percent of the world's totals. These reserves gives the country huge potential for power generation. Jeez, no shit, dude. In Kazakhstan, coal-fired power cost as little as what is? Oh my God, one tenth of a cent per kilowatt hour because of the abundant coal source there. Wu said. In addition, private power generation is allowed in the country, and the electricity we are using comes from private power plants. While enjoying higher returns, miners like Wu also experienced great risks. For miners heading to Iran, where electricity is supposedly much cheaper, getting mining machines into the country is tricky. But for miners thinking about relocating to Kazakhstan, the problem is a weaker infrastructure. That means that they have to build their mining farms from scratch with immature heavy industry facilities. Finding a reliable partner who could provide stable electricity is another problem. Chinese miners have to face in mining overseas. However, neither the risk of importing mining rigs nor the difficulty of finding, finding mines and stable electricity compare with the risks posed by local policies. Quote, in fact, we have not been recognized by the lo- local government for our mining activities, said Wu. Still, Central Asian countries have been showing some encouraging signs of Bitcoin mining last month. Kazakhstan's neighbor Uzbekistan announced that it is establishing a national mining pool. Miners who join the pool will enjoy lower electricity rates. The country recently launched its first licensed crypto exchange, and it has announced that it will exempt income obtained in crypto operations from from taxation. Holy shit. See, Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan's got their shit going on. And I mean, I, I shit you not, people. I am staring square in the face of second, I guess what would be called a second world. You know, you call it about first world and third world. Hardly anybody talks about second world. I kind of put Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan into like second world classifications because they have quite a bit of infrastructure to do this kind of thing. Yet they ain't exactly swimming in cash and they sure as shit ain't got a Navy that's capable of nuclear launch, right? So not first world. However, that could change a hell of a lot quicker than anybody thinks because of regulatory arbitrage. If Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan basically just tell the rest of the world to F straight off that they, are, that they want Bitcoin mining in their places, then they're going to be at the forefront of the new economy. And this is the way that, it, this is the way that weird things happen. You would never in a million years, if I told you 20 years ago that Kazakhstan may actually end up being the world's leading economy, you'd look at me and you'd laugh. You, You still may snicker. Hell, I even laugh at myself when I actually hear myself say the sentence. But now is not 20 years ago. Now it's possible that I may not be blowing smoke. Just something to think about. 155 institutional investors seek $387 million in damages from ousted Dansk Bank CEO over money laundering scandal. Yeah, who's crying now about money laundering? <laughs> Law firm Demeanor, located in Brussels, said it has filed legal charges against Thomas Borgian, the ousted chief executive officer of Denmark's Danske Bank, which is embroiled in the largest money laundering scandal in Europe. And you thought it was Bitcoin. Oh, I'm sorry. This is Daily Hodel staff writing February the 25th for obviously the Daily Hodel. Uh, In a statement released on Friday, Deminer, or demeanor, whatever, says it filed the lawsuit against Borgen on behalf of 155 institutional investors who seek damages of $387 million over his inaction related to money laundering activities. Borgen was in charge of the bank's international operations and supervised the branch in Estonia, where around $220 billion of sus- suspicious non-resident funds flowed in from 2007 to tw- 2015 He and other executives were reportedly aware of the illegal scheme. DeMiner says that the bank continuously misled local regulators amid reports and investigations on the money laundering activities. It was not until December of 2015 that the non-resident portfolio of the Estonian branch was closed. When news of the scandal erupted in February of 2018, the bank's share price plummeted by half. Fueling negative sentiments around shareholders and customers, Borgian was fired in 2018. Quote, Demeanor believes that investors were misled at least from February 2014 onwards. This means investors have a viable cause of action against the bank and its officers for the losses suffered as a result of the corrective disclosures made as from February 2018, end quote. And that will end that particular article. So what do you think about that, bro? Yeah, uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, not, not used in money laundering so much as actual fiat. And speaking of legacy bullshit, Ripple's MoneyGram stock down as company reports weak, weak financial 2019 results. Sell, sell, sell. Yeah, damn skippy. Jeff Fox writing for coinspeaker.com. Oh, this was today, the 25th, which for you is the 26th, whatever. MoneyGram International Incorporated stock is trading at around $2.38 at the moment of writing, which indicated that the stock has lost over 7% since the last closing. Ripple, or Hobo Wine, and MoneyGram International Incorporated are making significant moves to keep the service on the top of the remittance market. The MoneyGram chairman and CEO, Alex Holmes, noted, quote, we have invested proactively during the past several years to reposition MoneyGram as a modern mobile API driven organization that is leading the evolution of digital P2P payments in quote, MoneyGram has released the usual business report on February the 25th, 2020 per the document, diluted loss per share is 16 cents and adjusted income per share is one cent. In the last three months of 2019, there are $323.7 million in gains. During quarter four, the company got a significant 6% profit decrease compared to the previous year. However. MoneyGram online service has received a 39% growth during the fourth quarter of 2019. The results are driving this company's service to receive a 113% growth in transaction demand and 53% growth in profits. The company is demonstrating a significant boost in expense cuts, conquering digital space, and using new cross-border payment technologies. Partnership with Ripple has made a significant pledge to the company's forward-looking image. Also, the company's new fast-end transaction service Gain the company a wild number of new clients, according to the metrics, which they don't post, probably because it's a lie. It is useful when you want to send money to someone using only a phone number. Interestingly, after having a consultation with the SEC representatives, MoneyGram chose to represent the additional $8.9 million in profits with Ripple as contra expense. Whatever. Oh, God so the real loss percentage is smaller than the official reports but the laws effectively hide the achievement oh for the love of god yeah talked about trying to cover all that shit up no they lost money Every, like it on um, quarter 4 is worse than quarter 3 and it's it, honestly i don't think it has anything to do with ripple at all i think it's the legacy system dying I think there's, there's no reason for anybody to use MoneyGram. Even if you're not using Bitcoin, there's no reason to use MoneyGram. There's no reason at all to use Western Union, MoneyGram. They're all dying. They're all dying. And like I said, in this case, it has nothing to do with Ripple. If Ripple and MoneyGram hadn't hooked up, MoneyGram would still be dying. Ripple is a hobo wine, it's just another shitcoin, so I want to be clear about that. So nobody mistakes me for peddling hobo wine. The Daily HODL staff writing again for the Daily HODL. this time about Tim Draper saying Paradigm Shift will bring Bitcoin to $250,000, reveals move to crypto as Dow plunges 1,000 points. This was written February the 25th. The Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped 1,031 points, or three and a half percent, on Monday—the third biggest daily point drop in Dow's 124-year history. As the stock, uh, sorry, as the United States stock market tumbles, billionaire investor Tim Draper reveals he moved out of the market six months ago in an interview on CNBC's Squawk Alley the founder and managing partner of seed stage venture venture capital firm draper associates says that most of his assets are now in crypto quote i've got to admit i've been out of the market for about 6 months it felt pretty lofty for me and i kind of moved most of my stuff to crypto and bitcoin i think that's kind of a safe haven now and i think this correction it may end up being more than that but i think we're in for kind of an Interesting ride, yeah. Well, in <clears throat> quote. In December of 2019, Draper predicted that the price of Bitcoin would soar to 250,000 after the May having event. The price of the cryptocurrency crossed the $10,000 mark earlier this month, but even with the correction that followed, bringing BTC back to 9,575, the billionaire venture capitalist says he stands by his lofty Bitcoin prediction. I think Bitcoin in 2022 or the beginning of 23 will hit 250,000, and that is a big move from where it is here. I think that the reason there is that Bitcoin will be the currency of choice. Bitcoin is not as easy to move around, but eventually it will be. And then you have a choice. You'll say, hey, do I want to pay the banks 2.5% to 4% every time I swipe my credit card, or do I want a currency that's frictionless, open, transparent, global, and not tied to any political force? I mean, this is it. At some point, people are going to make that switch. and Bitcoin is going to be the big winner in quote. I caution Tim Draper, although, yeah, I know you're pointing at me and laughing. Who am I to, who am I to caution somebody like Tim Draper? I, I do the same thing that Tim Draper does. I put pants on. I have to go to the bathroom. Sometimes I go outside. Other times I'm inside. I have iron that that charges the hemoglobin in my blood, and uh, this is another fancy way of saying both of our blood is red. I I'm just saying that this is the, this whole thing. Do I want currency that's frictionless, open, transparent, global, and not tied to any political force? Yeah, right now. But that's I I just I feel the echo. I feel the echoes here of um uh God Roger Ver saying that Bitcoin. He was the only voice out there, but he was saying and he was t- spinning a narrative that was cheap or free payments forever. No, not forever. Be careful. Be careful, people. Draper is confident that Bitcoin will be the currency of the future. Quote, people move to things that are better. What merchant is going to want to pay their 25 to 4% to the banks and the credit card companies? I mean, they're not going to want to do that forever. At some point, they're going to say, hey, this Bitcoin, why don't we accept Bitcoin? Because we can now use open node and the transaction happens instantly. And it's faster than a Visa network. And we don't have to pay these guys two and a half to 4%. This is kind of an interesting time. It's an obvious thing for me. I think the world is going to be much better off because of this decentralized movement. As for crypto skeptics like Warren Buffett who think Bitcoin has no value, Draper says fear drives their negative stance on cryptocurrency. He cites Buffett's holdings in bank and insurance companies as reasons why the Berkshire Hathaway CEO has much to lose in a decentralized company. Quote, he sees a huge threat to his holdings. His holdings are more than 50% in banks and insurance companies in Berkshire Hathaway. So clearly he's not going to want this new currency. Everyone who has studied it knows it's so much better than what we have out there these currencies that are tied to fiat government are i think just going to be a relic of the past it'll be like holding drachmas or francs in <clears throat> quote draper adds that a rough road is ahead for traditional investors once a decentralized world takes over quote i wouldn't hold an insurance company right now i mean i, I mean that they are not in a good shape going in for the next 10 years Things are going to change in a very big way, end quote. So there you go. Tim Draper, he gets it. But again, I have to caution uh, narratives. He didn't say cheap and free transactions, but there's that promise that it's always going to be better than two and a half to 4%. Maybe, maybe not. But at least we have the chance to always forge ahead with cheaper payments by yet Maybe some like another rail, like right now we have uh lightning. I'm hoping that there will be another second rail that is not lightning. It does things that lightning can do and maybe some in, in a different way or some different things, but it's not built on lightning. It's actually built on Bitcoin. I would like to see eight of those sons of bitches. And then I want to see stuff that's built on top of those and then stuff that's built on top of those. But even then, that narrative can be flawed because if you build too much on top of things that are on top of things that are on top of things, well, you can ask any architect about uh, building buildings on top of other buildings that are themselves built on buildings. Collapse ensues. So we still have to be careful about all this stuff. That's going to do it for Section 1 of Morning Roundup. Vital statistics brought to you by BitInfoCharts.com. Yeah, I know. It doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense because you guys, it's now 1044 AM Central Standard Time on the 25th. The price is going to be completely different, but maybe there's some intelligence here. I don't know. We've got Bitcoin at a price of 9437 on average. Is that the average? No, that's actually the high for my list. I've got a low of oh no, that's not that's not the high bit asset is your high at four thousand four hundred and seventy dollars. Your low is going to be over there at GDAx at nine thousand three hundred and sixty five dollars. So a hundred dollar trading range. We have three hundred and thirty thousand transactions made in the last twenty four hours and thirteen thousand seven hundred transactions on average per hour. However, only 739 BTC has moved in that last 24 hours with 30,800 BTC being sent on average per hour. Every transaction's average is 2.24 BTC and the median transaction value is 0.033 BTC or 306 bucks. Uh, Block times are low at 9 minutes 48 seconds. We have 0.158 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis. 23.1 23.1 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. We've had a bump in the hash rate of 2.75%. That brings us to 111.7 exahashes per second. And the last time anybody did dick on Bitcoin was sometime today because we don't ever do anything for Bitcoin. It's completely stagnant, even though we uh, GitHub last commit was to de- today. Yeah, or for you yesterday. God, I'm so sick of that. Ethereum is at 251, Bcash at 354, BSV at 260, Litecoin at 70, Ethereum Classic at nine bucks, and Dogecoin taking a dive, bro, at 0.0024. With 24,000 transactions made over the last 24 hours, it beats out Litecoin yet again. Now my node, let's see what my node is telling me as far as hash rate is concerned. It was at 112. It is still at 112. 0.6 exahashes per second, so that matches up. We, however, have a very loaded, loaded up uh, mempool here with almost 40 megabytes representing 27,800 unconfirmed transactions, so everybody's trying to get in. I do not see any empty blocks. In fact, the last 10 blocks that I see, all the blocks are very, very full. Lightning Network next, 11,623 nodes. We have 36,340 channels. We have still have 895 uh, BTC in the network. We have, and that's going to represent $8.4 million in liquidity. We have 14 new nodes that came online in the last 24 hours and those are lightning nodes, but wow, only one new channel was opened. That seems very odd because in the same 24 hour period, I got 14 new nodes that came online, but only one channel that actually represent represents a hundred percent decrease in a day over day uh, in day over day channel opening. So there you go. That's going to do it for vitals. Welcome to part two of Morning Roundup. Singapore Appeals Court rejects quoine Quine, Q-U-O-I-N-E, and it, however you pronounce that. Their appeal in the landmark crypto ruling has been rejected by the Singapore Appeals Court, Singapore Appeals Court. Samuel Haig writing for Cointelegraph sometime the 25th of February in the country's first legal dispute involving cryptocurrency. The Singapore Court of Appeals has ruled that the virtual currency exchange we must pay damages to electronic market maker B2C2. The damages are for seven transactions that were wrongfully reversed on the platform during April 2017. Keep that date in mind for what comes next. April 2017. According to the Straits Times on February the 24th, the court dismissed Queen-Own's appeal in which the exchange argued that it was entitled to unilaterally cancel the orders due to such a compromising mistake. The exchange argued that the parties who fulfilled B2C2's order to sell Ether for Bitcoin at the price of 10 Bitcoin per Ether believed that their orders had been executed at the current market price rather than 250 times above market value. It further claimed that B2C2 was aware of that mistake. Okay, I'm going to stop right there because this is a little difficult to understand. They were saying that they sold Ether for Bitcoin at the price of 10 Bitcoin per Ether. So, do the math because those prices this occurred apparently in April of twenty seventeen Do the math they got ten Bitcoin per every ether sold is oh ooh. So that's what was canceled. Apparently those, those types of orders were canceled by the uh, uh, exchange Quinone or Quione or Quione or whatever the hell. The exchange argued, oh, I'm sorry, the, the February 24th landmark ruling saw four of the five judges of the Court of Appeals dismiss Queenone's appeal with Chief Justice Sundarish Minon, Judges of Appeal Andrew Fang and Judith Pakrash and International Judge Robert French determining that there was no mistake. Concerning the terms of the trading contract executed on the platform, Judge Jonathan Mance was the sole adjudicator to dissent on the matter. Ooh, that's going to, that is ugly. The court found that both uh, B2C2 and Quion were operating complex automated trading systems to execute a high volume of trades on the Quion exchange. It further discovered that these systems sought to exploit the spread between cryptocurrency prices across multiple exchanges it's the arbitrage opportunity coming back to bite them in the ass upon encountering a lack of sufficient market data b2c2's arbitrage bot would revert to a deep price of 10 btc per eth during april 27 a bug in queen owns software resulted in b2c2's deep price taking effect before seven orders were fulfilled on april 19 2017 that saw b2c2 sell roughly 309 ethereum for 3,092 BTC. Let me say that one again. They, sold, they sell 309 ETH and get 3,092 BTC during April 2017 prices. Again, go back in the like, trading view chart, do the math. Shortly thereafter, Quinone deducted 3,085 BTC from B2C2's account. They just took it from them. While the Singapore International Commerce Court, SIC, ruled that Quinone must, Quinone must pay damages to B2C2 nearly 12 months ago, the parties were unable to come to a consensus regarding the sum to be repaid. The CICC, or, or sorry, SICC, or SIC did not rule that Quinone must return 3085 BTC to the market maker, with Judge Simon Thorley asserting that current Bitcoin prices were substantially higher than the price in April 2017, when the trades were executed. Additionally, B2C2 had sold almost one third of the BTC in question before the trades being reversed with automated trading bots offloading the coins across nine different exchanges. As such, an SICC judge determined that ordering a specific sum to be repaid to B2C2 would cause substantial hardship to Queen own, which any potential difficulty in assessing damages does not outweigh. Okay, bullshit. Queen own stole their money from them. It was I'm I'm look, I get it. They get they got hosed. They got hosed, but they kind of brought it on themselves. Okay, arbitrage is one thing, but trading bots, especially when those trading bots don't have access to like you know high quality price data, you're gonna get shit like this. So for them to go back and say, ah, you know what? That's just, that's that's not right. That was a mistake. So what we're going to do is we're going to take the BTC out of B2C2's account and tell them to go F off. And then B2C2, you know, is clearly suing the shit out of them. But, so there's one thing right there. That's the whole That's the whole thing about keeping your coins on an exchange. Now, as a retail investor, I guess, is what I would be classified as. Although I don't necessarily say that when I put money into Bitcoin that I'm in investing. I'm trying to get out of the legacy system. There's a difference, but that's neither here nor there. As a retail investor, yeah, you get, get your shit off the exchange. But if your business is an exchange or your business has to leverage an exchange, you're kind of obligated to keep your coins on because that's how you're going to be doing all your trades. But... The exchange itself that you're keeping your coins on can do this and just take 3085 Bitcoin from you because they think they made a mistake, even though that they were engaged in the same kind of stupid shit. In either event, that's problematic all by itself. But what's worse is a set of judges saying, Yeah, we understand that they, you know, that what Quinone did was wrong, but. We're going to just, instead of giving you the property that you're owed, we're going to convert that property into some, in our, case, in our view, a logical price of fiat. No, I didn't buy the fiat. I bought the Bitcoin. The deal was for Bitcoin. If I bought a, if I bought a house and I like paid for that house, like let's say that, I, I don't know, something weird, like I had an option to buy a ranch, and somehow the the price got to where I could strike that option. And uh, the guy that was selling me the house said, you know, I got hosed on that deal. I'm just going to, you know, not do this. And then I go sue and say, look, you know, I had an option on the house. I bought that, the option, you know, traded or the option executed. All the, the parameters of the deal were met. And yet this guy's reneging on the deal. I'm going to sue him for the house. And then the court comes back and says, yeah. We get that you had a deal for the house, but yeah, because that was like you know 12 months ago or whatever. Um, we're just gonna settle this in fiat at today's prices. This is bullshit. That's not how this works. But again, that is how this works, and that's why we're trying to exit from this system to get away from bullshit like this. This is a you know clearly it's a small uh, it's a small part of it. But it is yet a functional part of one of the reasons why all this stuff is messed up to begin with. But whatever, it's not as messed up as getting paid to get a tattoo to scar your skin forever. This crypto fraternity will pay you $3,000 to get a tattoo. The Kusama Human Blockchain Project is paying its next member to tattoo its logo on their body. Has crypto gone mad? Well, people have been doing this shit to their bodies for a long time with crypto, so no. I wouldn't say that it's gone mad, it's been mad. Robert Stevens is writing for Decrypt.co on the 25th of February. The sociological definition of a cult can best be derived from studying the Kusamo Human Blockchain Project, which, should a proposal on the cusp of acceptance pass, will pay the next new member who gets a tattoo of the network's logo a little over $3,000 worth of the platform shitcoin KSM. Getting a tattoo could sway the admissions committee of the project, also known as Kappa Sigma Mu, <laughs> Jesus, <sighs> the Kusama Fratority, really? The Kusama Fratority. So I guess that's a cross between fraternity and sorority, a society built upon Kusama, which is an early unaudited and experimental release of blockchain network Polkadot. The tattoo must be of the Kusama network's canary symbol. Its typography, the full logo, or the Kusama Genesis hash, the tattoo must be permanent, fit into a circle of at least 2.54 centimeters, and be on the body. The tattoo must also contain the identifying information of the head of the society at the time of the tattoo. (laughs) Jesus, why don't you just brand them? Such as an index count or a a binary account ID. Members will be periodically required to show proof of the tattoo. So we've got pot proof of tattoo. I'm serious. Seriously. It's just, I don't know what to do with this. The premise decrypt imagines is to mimic the same consensus mechanism of regular blockchains on the proof of work block. Sorry. On the Bitcoin proof of work blockchain, Bitcoin's worth is tied to the minor sacrifice sacrificing their computing power and electricity for it. With the Kusama fraturity, the pledge is skin space and dignity. Really? Really? Wow, I'm amazed. I don't even know what... Again, I don't know what to do with this, man. Uh, With the Kusama fraturity, the pledge is skin skin space and dignity, and the reward is membership. And for the next member money but a description of the fraternity which was founded in december does not explain the benefits of joining it if any it currently has three members and an interview with its second member self-described kusama network superfan 23 year old joshua mir didn't do much to elucidate on the matter uh there's a tweet here from uh kusama network in kusama it is possible to set your on-chain identity and have it verified off-chain These verified accounts, benefits, validators, council members, and dApps requiring validated users. Join at Bitfalls next Friday for a deep dive into the identity system. Oh, no. Mir, a soft-spoken technical support engineer for Parity. Oh, which builds Polkadot in Berlin. Got Kusama's Canary logo emblazoned on his chest in indelible ink. Sell, sell, sell. Uh, When he joined the Fratority a few weeks ago for Mir, the Fratority... Uh, is a tech demo that demonstrates the kind of coordination you can build around a system like a blockchain and sees himself as a human oracle who has skin in the game, literally speaking. But he struggled to come up with a unifying aim for the group. When pressed, he said that members would use treasury funds to vote on initiatives to further the development of the network. We want to see Kusama succeed. We're getting Kusama tattoos, right? Why else would we get tattoos on ourselves, he said. So far, none of them have received any money for joining. If Decrypt were to join today, it'd get 15 KSM, currently worth about 45 bucks. The $3,000 investment would come from the 13-strong Kusama Council. As of February 25th, the fraternity must convince five more members to pass the proposal. Kusama launched in September, and its coin has tripled in value this month from around $1 to 3 but since records began on data metric sitecoin market cap in mid December trading volume has fallen from peaks of 10.5 million dollars to around 1.5 million dollars but for Mir, it's not about the money anyway he'd been itching to get a tattoo for years he said and he found his excuse in the fratority. should kusama fail the tattoo will always commemorate quote this period of my life where i'm just kind of like throwing myself into a community that I had no connection to beforehand. you the stupidity! If you're thinking of joining, perhaps find a backup reason for your tattoo as well. The members of the fraternity can vote to reject applicants, and if just one member of the fraternity rejects your admission, the voting system will randomly decide whether you're allowed to join the group proportional to the vote, but with Kusama's daily daily trading volume in the gutter, a tattoo would ensure that the dream never dies. Also in today in stupidity, IOTA is up 12% despite being offline for 11 days. you <laughs> the stupidity. IOTA has seen its price surge by more than 12% in the past 30 days, despite its network being offline for nearly two weeks. During due to a hack, the price is a testament to the lack of any predictability in the crypto market. This is Priyeshu Garg writing for CryptoBriefing.com on the 24th iota. An ambitious project designed to facilitate transactions on the internet of shit. I mean, the internet of things ecosystem has had a hard time maintaining a consistent uptime following a 15 hour outage in December last year. The network was turned off earlier this month to deal with the consequences of a massive wallet hack. The iota Foundation turned off its transaction validator called Coordinator on February the 13th after a major vulnerability in its Trinity wallet was exposed. The vulnerability has reportedly cost the network between 300,000 and 1.2 million U.S. dollars worth of iota. While users have been unable to send or receive iota for almost two weeks due to the outage, it seems that the controversy hasn't affected their trust in the network. Yes, because they're stupid. While the its price dropped by around 20% since the outage, its, cri- its current price represents only a 10% drop since the beginning of the month. As Crypto Briefing reported last week, the majority of users holding IOTA said that they plan to hold on to their tokens when the network goes online on March the 4th. My God. In a poll conducted by Julian Hosp, the co-founder of Cake, DeFi, and iUnlimited, only 32.5% of respondents said that they intended on selling their IOTA. And then there's a couple of tweets that have, that have basically say that kind of thing. Uh, and then last, it talks about Bitcoin's new trading range. All, what? It goes from IOTA, and then there's like three paragraphs of the trading range of Bitcoin. I I don't get that. I really don't. It's, uh, whatever. Anyway, so the coin has seen its price increase by 12.7% since January the 24th, according to data from Coin Market Cap. That's the takeaway is that even despite the fact that you can't, the, the, the whole network was shut off. You can't do dick with this coin. And yet its price has surged by almost 13%. It's not going, the network won't be turned on until March the 4th. Somebody please tell me why I would give shit one about any shit coin. Because if I turn off my node, my Bitcoin node, you know what happens to the Bitcoin network? Nothing. Now, if Bitcoin was designed around stupid things like coordinators, validators, and cent- or rather centralized validators, or proof of stake, uh, that becomes a different story now, doesn't it? We see the proof of it right here in IOTA. The entire network has been down for days. Well, that's not gonna stop Qatari Billionaire suing Facebook over an alleged crypto scam. Janet Jackson's ex with Sam Al Mana claims that a crypto scam's Facebook ad used his likeness to con unsuspecting customers. Robert Stevens writing for decrypt.co on the twenty fifth of February says a Qatari billionaire and former wife of pop star Janet Jackson ooh is suing facebook's dublin office over concerns that his likeness was used to push a cryptocurrency product which he considers a scam no it's a qatari billionaire and former husband of pop star janet jackson is suing him wassam almana sought an injunction from the high court against facebook last week the times reported on sunday almana's company almana group employs over 3,500 people across the middle east the company has exclusive rights to luxury brands such as dior home and Balenciaga, High Street Brands, HMV, and Zara, and the McDonald's franchise for Cutter. <laughs> McDonald's. The report doesn't state that the crypto scam uh, allegedly uses Almana's reputation to push its product, but similar scams have manufactured celebrity endorsements to con customers out of their money. The thinking? If a popular celebrity endorses a cryptocurrency project, it must be a good way to invest your money. Please don't do that. Please don't. Seriously. Because if you do, dude. Josie the stupidity. I I have to do it. Scammers have fraudulently claimed that movie star Kate Winslet endorsed a project called Bitcoin Code, an automatic trading program that promises to win trades with 99.4% accuracy. The advertisement encouraged people to invest $250 into the project at the time. A spokesperson for Winslet told The Mirror. This misleading promotion is completely dis- disingenuous and categorically false. And scammers have also claimed that Sir Alex Ferguson, former manager of soccer team Manchester U, pushed a Bitcoin scam called Bitcoin Revolution, which offers a similar trading bot. Facebook might start to regret lifting its ban on crypto ads. Ah, uh, God, I kind of would, but... Moving on, New Zealand plans to drop unfavorable sales tax treatment of cryptocurrencies. Hmm. Daniel Palmer, writing for Coindesk on February the 25th, says New Zealand's tax authority is considering changing its treatment of cryptocurrencies that would drop the current and controversial application of goods and services tax, or the GST. The current regime sees Bitcoin, BTC, and other digital currencies as property with normal rules applying. That means crypto is liable for 15% GST when changing hands within the country as part of the business's operations and potentially throws up a double taxation problem when income tax is later applied. Calling the situation unfavorable, the New Zealand Inland Revenue Department has now suggested doing away with the GST liability for cryptocurrencies in many cases, but keeping the treatment for income tax. In a policy issues paper made public on Monday, the IRD states, quote, because of their innovative nature, cryptocurrencies will often have different features to other investment products. This means that some existing tax rules can be difficult to apply, involve very high compliance costs, or may provide policy outcomes for some crypto assets that lead to overtaxation compared to other alternative investment products, end quote. The overall aim of any changes would be that cryptocurrencies should have a similar treatment to other investment products or asset classes that are close substitutes of the digital asset. An issue being considered by the IRD is whether different types of tokens should have different tax treatments depending on how they are used. One way forward is that tokens used like currency or shares would likely not be liable to GST while other types might see the sales tax applied. Quote, an advantage of this approach is that it should provide a neutral tax treatment for those crypto assets which are close substitutes for existing financial products, such as currency or shares, the IRD says. The tax department suggests it might still treat some tokens differently. For instance, if a token is considered to be a share, but if it does not provide an interest in a foreign company or partnership, It would still be taxed very differently to other foreign equity investments. Yet, with thousands of tokens now available offering different use cases and features, the IRD says there may be practical limitations to their potential classification for tax purposes. As such, a different approach is being considered, or a different approach being considered is to usher in more general changes to tax rules that are seen as throwing up, quote, the most significant policy issues. When applied to crypto assets in quote, quote, there appears to be a case to exclude most types of crypto assets from the GST and financial arrangement rules by developing a broad definition of crypto assets for this purpose, says the IRD, whatever the solution, inland revenue recognizes change is needed. The department says the current GST rules provide an uncertain and variable GST treatment, making using or investing in crypto assets less attractive than using money or investing in other financial assets. Parties with an interest in the issue have until April 9th to offer their opinions on the best solution. Australia, which has previously also imposed GST on some crypto transactions, ended the policy in October of 2017. Singapore proposed the same policy change last summer. And that's going to do it for that article. Uh, wow. So every time they do shit like this, they start realizing we may be shooting ourselves in the foot. For me... That actually is kind of good for Bitcoin. At least they're starting to go, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe this isn't so bad. I don't know. We're all going to see how, how we're all going to have to see how this shit shakes out. But be that as it may, uh, it, it, I mean, it is what it is, but at least, I don't know, at least something's changing anyway. That's going to do it for morning roundup part two. Daily Train Wrecked is brought to you by Jay Williams. Uh, This is Jason A. Williams. He's one of the principals out there at Morgan Creek Digital Assets. That's where Anthony Pompliano and Mark Yusko are all at. And it's really sad to see this because he should of all people, Jason should know better than to tweet this one. Is Bitcoin out of reach? For most people, due to price. This common matching country was founded so that the liberties of common patriotic citizens could not be taken away by a bunch of Fargan ice holes like yourselves. That's right. Those are words of wisdom. Roman Moroni from... Oh, what was the name of that movie? Uh, Oh my God. Uh, Johnny dangerously. That's a good movie. It's old, but it's a good movie. If you want to laugh your ass off, unless you're just way too serious of a person and can't laugh at like really sick and juvenile, uh, humor, then yeah, it's probably not your cup of tea, but dude, (laughs) freaking movies. Awesome. That's why I love that sound effect so much. Uh, so, yeah, again, why I'm a little up, not upset. I mean, it's just, it's sort of like face palming all day long, you know, when people say shit like this. Because, no, Bitcoin's price at any price is not out of reach of any person. You'll always be able to buy. Okay, now, wait a minute. I'm about to make the same mistake that Roger Ver made. You'll always be able to buy at least $1 of, of Bitcoin. Is that true? Is that true? I mean, for the most part, I would say I I would feel pretty safe saying that. However, however, understanding the mistake that Roger Ver made with the narrative of always cheap or always free or something like that, um, and we saw what occurred that that was not true, I may be lying when I say that you'll always be able to buy at least $1 of Bitcoin. I I think it's true because of the divisible nature of Bitcoin, and right now, it's divisible by one hundred million units. Okay, so for every Bitcoin, and at, we've had a crash in the price since I started talking today. We're now at nine thousand three hundred twenty-seven at eleven twenty-one a.m. Central Standard Time on February the twenty-fifth. But even then, I mean, I can divide that by a hundred. You know, a hundred million, and that's how much a satoshi would cost me, and that's well under multiple. That's that is well under a penny. Let's just say, well, well, very well under a penny. So, point zero 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 nine three three something like that. Um, but what happens if a satoshi becomes a hundred bucks, dude? I I'm do I'm kind of doing the math in my head on that statement, and that's kind of silly. I think that that's sort of that whole four five hundred and thirty eight dollar ripple price, because if that were to happen, (laughs) you know how much money that would be like that would be like two orders of magnitude above the amount of money in existence in the entire world today. So I I still feel fairly credible when I say that you'll always be able to buy a satoshi for under a buck, okay? So be that as it may, this guy from Morgan Creek Digital should know that yes, you can buy Bitcoin in the fractions, but yet the statement is, is Bitcoin out of reach of most people due to price? It's, if he did that on purpose, then it's malicious. If he did that out of ignorance, then Morgan Creek Digital Assets has no business employing this person even though he's a principal. I don't know what to do with this kind of idiocy, but to call it what it is, the smoldering pile that's over there in the corner, uh, and let's just roll right on into a joke so that we can get the bad taste of that idiocy out out of our mouths. Dad says jokes says, A few minutes ago, I came to the conclusion that tofu is overrated. It's just occurred to me. It's so bad, so bad. That actually works in reverse too. I was thinking about it. It's just occurred to me. A few minutes ago, I came to the conclusion that tofu is overrated. See, it actually works in both ways. Not bad. It's like a dual, it's like a dual purpose delivery mechanism right there. Anyway, that's going to do it for the terrible joke corner. And that's pretty much going to do it for the show because I don't really want to reiterate on all the stuff that we talked about today. I'm just going to cut it clean and tell you that I'll see you